Hello and welcome to the Mindset Coach Podcast, the show where coaches and coaches-to-be tune in to learn how to integrate mindset coaching tools and neuroscience-based techniques into their practice and grow and scale a coaching business they love. Each week, I'll be sharing easy-to-implement tips, case studies, and business strategies that you can use right away to transform your own mindset and the mindset of those you coach. I'm your host, Lara Young, founder of the Mindset Coach Academy, author of 52 Adventures to Change Your Life, award-winning business owner, coach, and coach trainer. Tune into this podcast each Friday, free on all the podcasting apps, and click to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And remember, mindset is everything. Welcome to this week's episode of the Mindset Coach Podcast. I'm Lara Young, and today I want to explore with you the seven essential skills and techniques that every coach needs to succeed. Now, these skills and techniques are the skills and techniques that you need to succeed in terms of coaching your clients. Of course, we cover off some of those business building and profitability skills and techniques that you need in other episodes. So for today, we're going to focus on these top seven things that I know that you need to have in your toolkit in order for you to help your clients to get the results that they come to you for. I'm going to share the seven with you, and then we're going to go through and explore them one by one. So the very first one is identifying the presenting problem. The second one is establishing how and when the problem was created. Number three is understanding how the problem is maintained. Number four is identifying the levers and opportunities for change. Number five is creating change at the conscious, the subconscious and the unconscious level. Number six is tasking and accountability to install change. And number seven is testing, remeasuring, and closing the coaching loop. So let's explore these in a little bit more detail. Number one is identifying the presenting problem. Now, what I find, unfortunately, is that nine times out of ten, the problem that the the client comes to you for coaching on is not actually the real problem. It's the presenting problem, but it's not the problem or problems that keep that problem happening in the client's life. And so nine times out of 10, it's not the presenting problem that we end up working with. And we need to be able to have the skills and the tools to be able to do that bit of digging that helps us identify what the real problem is or what the real problems are that our that our clients currently experiencing so that we can actually help them to achieve the results they desire. Now, when we start off working on the wrong problem, then we're wasting time and we're wasting energy and it can really break rapport with our client. It can really break rapport with them because they're not actually, they don't actually feel like we have that relationship with them where they can be vulnerable, where they can go a little bit deeper and where they can actually, you know, admit to or own the fact that there are other things that are underneath the presenting problem that they've come to us with. And so really what we want to be able to do is to identify the secondary gain or the benefit that having this presenting problem gives the client. So what do they get in exchange for having the problem? What does it enable them to do? Or what does it protect them from? And an example of this is smoking cessation. So I had a client many years ago when you could still smoke in bars and pubs in London and she came to me and she wanted to stop smoking. And after doing some digging around the problem, so discovering 
when she smoked, where she smoked, why she smoked, it became really clear to me that she only smoked on Thursday, Friday or Saturday evenings. She only smoked in bars or pubs and she also didn't ever buy any cigarettes herself. The cigarettes that she would smoke would be cigarettes that she had asked um, a guy for. So she'd approach a, approach a guy that she found attractive um, and say to him, do you have a cigarette? And actually that approach, that initiating of the conversation was covering up for the fact that she wasn't really confident in having conversations, in approaching people um, who she was attracted to. She was single. She wanted to be in a relationship. It was her way of initiating a discussion. It's discussion. So, you know, the smoking was actually a foil for her lack of confidence. So we didn't actually work on smoking or smoking cessation. We worked on her confidence. And, of course, she stopped smoking, was able to go up and have, you know, confident chats with guys and she ended up being in a relationship, so which is what she wanted. So that's a really uh, simple example of how when a client comes to us and they say that they've got a problem, we want to deeply understand and explore the problem so that we know that what we're going to do with them is going to work, is actually going to achieve the outcome that they desire. And there are some techniques that we use as mindset coaches to be able to really identify the problem and you know, they include really effective questioning techniques to really get to the heart of the matter. I described just there how I uncovered where she smoked, when she smoked and why she smoked. And they're important factors in any problem that we're exploring with a client because we want to understand the nature of the problem deeply in order to be able to help our client to resolve it. And we can also use things like contrastive analysis to say, well, are there any times when you don't run the problem? So obviously for my client in that situation, she wasn't running the problem in any other situation other than bars on a Thursday, Friday or Saturday night. So she wasn't, I guess, a real smoker in inverted commas. She was someone who used smoking as a crutch or as a tool, a vehicle for her to be able to run another behaviour, which was chatting to, chatting to guys that she was attracted to. So the next one is establishing how and when the problem was created. Now, in order to remove the problem, we need to identify the root cause of the problem. And every single behaviour is created for a reason. It may not be a reason that we desire, but typically behaviours that we run are created to protect us, to give us a feeling of security or a feeling of belonging, some of the primary needs that we have as human beings. Um, overall, you know, for our survival. But often we don't know that we've created it, right? We don't know why we've created the problem. And this often resides outside of conscious awareness. So simply asking a client when was the problem created doesn't necessarily always give you any answers or any useful answers because it all resides in the subconscious or the unconscious mind. You know, for example, the majority of beliefs that we hold today about ourselves and the world around us were actually created in the early imprint period. So between the ages of about zero and seven, I think that age group is actually shrinking now because of the advent of social media and television and all of those things and those other influences that young people have in their lives. The majority of those actually started way, way back. Um, and sometimes even in the womb or before past life or they've been passed down to us genealogically. 
And so what we want to understand is, you know, how what is the pattern of this behaviour? How long have we been running this problem for? And so we have tools and techniques available like running a detailed personal history of the problem, um, like using timeline therapy, for example, to remove negative emotions associated with that problem or remove the limiting decisions that keep us stuck in those limiting unwanted beliefs that ultimately lead to us self-sabotaging our own progress. Um, we can also use things like a phobia cure if there's a phobia that's been created as well. So we take an example of this. Uh, say, for example, someone comes to you and they've got a fear of public speaking or being visible online. The root cause of this problem may have been a time when perhaps they were the angel Gabriel in their Christmas school play and they fell off the stage and during the performance and everyone started laughing at them. And some part of their brain at that time was, you know, they felt the emotions that came up were embarrassment and shame and um, disappointment and regret and all of those things, anger perhaps, frustration, all these negative emotions came up. And then also at that time what they could have done was decided, made a limiting decision and may embedded that correlation between getting up in front of people equals some kind of harm, something bad's going to happen if I do that. And so that association gets enmeshed and embedded and becomes a belief that speaking in front of, pub, of people in public, being visible is awful, right? It doesn't have positive consequences. And so really being able to identify where beliefs come from, and that's a very simple example, but where those beliefs, behaviours and problems come from uh, is very important to us as mindset coaches because it enables us then to help our clients to remove that root cause of the problem. Uh, and as I said, often that's going to reside in the unconscious mind and be part of our subconscious programming. The next thing we want to do is to be able to understand how the problem is maintained. So in that example, the child makes a decision, I'm not going to do that again, essentially, I'm going to stop you. Uh, and our unconscious mind is kind of like a six-year-old child. It's about that age. It follows instructions really well, but it's also very literal. Um, and so it can, as a six-year-old, can have a bit of a tantrum and say, no, we are not going to do that. We're not going to put ourselves in that position again. Essentially, though, when we do have a problem, every day we have to wake up and remember to do it. Because whatever the problem is, we're not running that problem, the structure of the problem, when we're asleep. Um, and so every morning we wake up and we have to remember that we run an unhealthy habit like overeating or we have conflict in a relationship or we have a lack of confidence in our abilities when it comes to starting our business or applying for a job. There is absolutely a strategy for every single thing that we do in our lives from brushing our teeth to getting dressed to feeling confident to feeling able to take risks to making decisions and every single habit and behavior begins with a trigger that sets off an automatic sequence of internal events every time we can perhaps see something it will run a habit or there'll be a thought pattern that's associated with it and we'll have an emotional response to it. And so we are using this sequence of thoughts and emotional responses and reactions and beliefs to really perpetuate and maintain a problem. There's a way we do every single problem in our lives. 
I want you to think about this is how it applies to your life as well. You know, and there are some techniques that we can use as mindset coaches, like eliciting the strategy. What's the very first thing that has to happen for our client to run a certain behavior or a habit or a thought process or a way of feeling? And we can work with habits and work with the concept of reward and response. We can always also work with the way in which our client represents certain things to themselves in terms of their sensory experience. So an example of this is, you know, if you've got a client who has a habit of unhealthily snacking in the evenings, you've identified that they only do it once the children are in bed, they sit on the sofa and suddenly, even though they've had a healthy, nutritious dinner, then they're full, they still crave something. And what they crave invariably is Doritos. They love Doritos. What you want to do in that situation is understand what are all the factors that lead up to that and at what point do they then find themselves eating Doritos? Because there's a big gap, isn't there, between sitting on the sofa and then sitting there on the sofa with an empty packet of Doritos and orange fingers. So we really want to understand what has to happen every step of the way from the client to be sitting there without Doritos to have finished Doritos. Do they make a picture of Doritos in their mind? Do they say to themselves, I fancy some Doritos? Do they see an advertisement come onto the television show they're watching and suddenly think, oh my gosh, I want Doritos? That's marketing in action, right? That's effective marketing in action. Do they actually, what are the boundaries of their problem, right? Do they actually, if they haven't got Doritos in the house, does the habit also include if I haven't got them in the house, I will go out and drive to get them or ask my partner to go and get me a bag of Doritos. And it's really interesting, isn't it, when we start to explore and expand habits and behaviours, how far we're willing to go to satisfy that desire, that craving, that need. And You know, this is also true in some of our relationship conflicts. Have you ever picked a fight with anyone? Have you ever been in conflict with someone and you're just paying attention to everything that's wrong with them, right? You're using your reticular activation system to notice all the things that they do that irritate you. You know, that look on their face, their funny laugh, their way of walking irritates you, right? Once we start to pay attention to things like that, we can't unnotice them. In fact, our focus on them increases. But we have to remember to do that. We have to remember to maintain that conflict. We have to remember to maintain those negative thoughts about those per- that person, those negative beliefs about that person, the way in which we internalise our emotional response to them as well. So it's really fascinating and and as a mindset coach, once you actually start to have these discussions with your clients and you can inject some humour as well, right, once you start to have these discussions and really break it down, it's the first step towards creating change because when we understand how our clients maintain the problem and how they understand it too, then we can start to really create strategies for change and help them to do things that are more resourceful, more beneficial for them. You know, whether that is to build rapport with the person they've got a conflict with, they've been maintaining a conflict with, or whether it is to choose to eat an apple instead of inhale a bag of Doritos, um, you know, we do have those strategies and those tools at our disposal. The next thing that we want to do is to be able to identify the levers and the opportunities for change because no two problems are created equal. 
And what I mean by that is you could have two clients with the exact same presenting problem that they sit down of an evening and they have a bag of Doritos. They don't want to, but they they eat the entire bag of Doritos. But the way in which they do that is going to be different. Okay. Now, what we want to be able to do is to understand that because mindset is a complex combination of thoughts, beliefs, behaviors, habits, values, identity, history, emotions, reactions, and a whole lot more, all of these elements combine to produce either a desired result, an unwanted result, or no result at all. So they either combine to have us do, be, have what we want, not do, be, have what we want, or nothing, right? Because nothing is also a problem. If we have nothing, we we have nothing. And um, so we really want to be able to help our clients to identify what it is that is actually holding the problem together. What is actually making sure that that problem exists? What is the behavior, the thought, the belief, the value, the emotion that is the glue that's sticking it all together? If you've ever played Jenga, you'll know that Jenga is where you stack up the the wooden blocks in a certain pattern and then the aim of the the game is to remove blocks one at a time and the the person who loses is the person who removes the block that causes the whole tower to tumble. And effectively, as mindset coaches, we want to lose Jenga because we want to be able to identify that block that is preventing our client from resolving the problem that is actually underpinning and holding that whole problem together. The way we do this is by understanding all of the different levels that could be contributing to creating that that problem and to maintaining that problem. So it could be that our client's environment isn't conducive to them getting the results they want. It could be they don't have enough skill or capability to do it. It could be around their behaviours and their habits that are holding them back. It could be their beliefs or their values, could be their identity, who they see themselves as. And so we use a range of different tools and techniques like beliefs work, like cognitive behavioral therapy, like values elicitation and strategy elicitation and metaprogramming, which enables us to understand, is our client more on the introversion or the extroversion scale? Are they more global or more detailed in their thinking? And those things enable us to identify what we need to do in terms of helping our client to create change. So, for example, if you have a client who comes to you because they're overwhelmed, it could be because they simply don't know how to be organised. It could be because their office area is so messy and so cluttered that they can't find anything. And then they get overwhelmed and they think, well, (laughs) might as well not do anything. And that can be very simply in the level of the environment. We help them to create systems and processes that are going to streamline their to-do list and the overwhelm can go away. They could be overwhelmed because they don't have the skills and capabilities or they don't believe they have the skills and capabilities to achieve the goal. And again, we can help them to outsource or develop those skills. Overwhelm can also exist because our client doesn't believe that they have the capability They don't have the self-efficacy, the self-worth, the self-esteem, the deservedness to achieve their goal. 
It could also be at the level of their values where they don't, where what they're wanting to achieve, they're overwhelmed by, they're not motivated to do. And then that brings in their emotions as well. So they also may feel overwhelmed because they believe they shouldn't have to do something. I shouldn't have to be doing this. And again, that's really interesting at the identity level. And so when we start to look at all these different elements and these different levers, then we can very quickly identify the difference that's going to make the difference when it comes to us using coaching interventions. And when I mention coaching interventions, I'm also thinking about not just the tools and techniques we use in terms of conscious level coaching, I'm also thinking about bringing in those therapeutic uh, interventions as well, things like hypnotherapy and timeline therapy, um, energy work like EFT, emotional freedom technique, because when we can blend these together, we can really affect a really brilliant shift in our client and in the way they approach a problem, in the way they view a problem. And so it becomes very, very powerful when we're able to identify exactly where we need to make that change or help our clients make that change. Want to learn more about how you can become a certified mindset coach? Head on over to our website, www.mindsetcoachacademy.com forward slash coach certification, and you'll find all the information that you need along with a button to book a call with me to talk about how you can become the best coach you can be. The next thing we need to be able to do is to create change at this conscious, the subconscious and the unconscious level. Now we know that mind and body are one. Neurotransmitters bathe every cell in your body. And so your thoughts, your beliefs, your values, your mindset is not just in your mind. It's right throughout every cell in your body as well. And so used alone, Conscious level coaching techniques just lead to short-term results. They lead to quick fixes. We actually really want to be able to, in order to have that long-term, that longevity, that longer-term transformation and change, we need to be able to change our clients' subconscious programming. We need to be able to input and change the stimulus response that happens that's not working for them. We also need to be able to work at the unconscious level because that's where all behavior, learning and change resides. Think about it, the habits that you run, the strategies that you run, they're all at that unconscious level. You're doing them on automatic pilot often and whether that habit is a way of thinking or behaving, it all becomes ingrained and in the learning system which is in your unconscious mind. Think about driving a car. When you first learned to drive a car, you had to think about where you know, where was the indicator, brake, clutch, accelerator, etc. And now you can not only drive the car well, but you can drive it while you're talking on your hands-free phone, while you're singing along with the song on the radio, where you may be drinking a takeaway cup of coffee all at the same time. And so that is ingrained and it's instilled and embedded in your unconscious programming, your unconscious learning centre. That's really the level at which we want to be working with our clients, whether that is to remove things that aren't working for them or to install and embed new programs that are working for them really, really well. And we can do this through things like really effective tasking at the conscious level, using NLP, things like reframing, habit change, strategy elicitation, 
anchoring, so anchoring in those really powerful positive emotions and resources. We can use submodalities change. We can also use timeline therapy, as I've mentioned, emotional freedom technique, hypnotherapy. And so there are lots and lots of different tools and techniques that we can use to embed at all of those levels. So if we have a client, for example, who doesn't believe they're worthy and deserving of achieving a certain goal, then we can work with that client on looking for evidence of worthiness in their tasking, right? I am worthy because could be a very simple journaling prompt. We ask them to and invite them to activate their reticular activation system to look for evidence that they are worthy. And that's very much at the conscious level. We may also use a a script with them, a hypnotherapy script around their worthiness that again is embedding and installing that into their unconscious mind and changing their subconscious programming. We may work with them at the conscious level to help them to reframe the meaning of certain experiences that they've associated with them being unworthy so that they look at things from a different perspective entirely. We can also work with them around the emotional feeling, what does what does unworthiness feel to you? How do you know that you are unworthy? And we can work with them to install and bring in some of those positive emotions that are going to override that negative emotional experience and the reaction or response that happens as a result. So we can also look at their strategy. How do they run the unworthiness strategy or the unworthiness pattern? How do they know it's time to be or feel unworthy? So there's lots in there that we can do at each of those different levels to affect really, really powerful change with our clients, no matter what their problem is. And, you know, all of these different levels that I'm talking to you about, you know, all of these different skills and techniques I'm talking to you about work together in harmony. As I said earlier, no client, even if two clients or three clients or 20 clients have the same presenting problem, for example, I can't break through a certain uh, level of income in my business, say that's the presenting problem. The way they do it, the way they maintain it is going to be different, okay, amongst all of those 20 people. And so you really need to be able to identify how they're running, maintaining the problem, what levers are going to be important for you to help them to change, and then also harnessing the power of their conscious, subconscious and unconscious mind to create that change. Once change is made, of course, we really want to embed the change. We want it to be lasting for a long time, not just be a short-term quick fix. So one of the things that's important for this is having a really powerful tasking suite. Tasking is really a key in coaching as a way to install change. Um, it is also done to reinforce change at the conscious and the unconscious level. So one of the things we know, for example, is that habit formation relies on repetition. Um, current rhetoric is that it takes between 21 and 28 days to install a habit. And so what we really want to be able to do with our clients is to task them with things that they can create into habits. So whether that is journaling or tracking or listening to a hypnotherapy recording, for example, or gathering evidence to support a newly installed positive belief, it all requires that level of time and attention and consistency so that it just becomes automatic, that our client runs it at the unconscious level, they're running it on automatic pilot. 
Now, tasking and and accountability also needs to be done with the client's behavioural preferences in mind. You are not going to allocate the same tasks to a client who's high extrovert as as you are to someone who's got high introversion preference. It's just not going to work. Saying to someone who's high on the introversion scale, if we take our visibility example, I just want you to go live on social media um, every day this week, they're not going to do it. The chances of doing them, that them doing that, absolutely zero, right? There is nothing to say that because they haven't done it before, just because you're telling them to do it, it's not going to work, okay? Because they have a preference for introversion. Extrovert, someone with an extroversion pro, uh, preference, on the other hand, may really readily accept and be totally willing and keen to use that strategy of going live seven days in a row. So we really need to tailor our tasking interventions based on our client's problem, of course, the solution, the result they want, but also on their behavioural preferences because it's so much easier for people to stay in their comfort zone, lean into those preferences, make the most of them, um, harness them, than it is to actually try and go against the grain, swim upstream. So I really want you to start to think about that too. There are lots of different techniques we can use here in tasking, hypnotherapy, strategy and habit installation, anchoring, timeline therapy, we can put a goal in the future so that it just makes it so compelling that it just has to happen. You know, things like accountability checklists and feedback and plans and action plans, all really useful to come together to help your client to make sure that they're consistently working towards achieving that goal, that outcome that they desire. And the final one is testing, remeasuring and closing the coaching loop. So one of the questions that we ask at the end of a coaching relationship, and whether that is a VIP day, a one-to-one coaching intervention, whether it's a retreat experience or uh, maybe it's a group coaching program, we always want to ask ourselves and the client, has the goal been achieved? So where is the client now compared to where they were at the beginning of the coaching relationship? What's the tangible evidence of the change? Now, one of the things that's really important to do with your tasking and with your coaching framework is that you do have checkpoints and milestones embedded in it so that you can constantly be reflecting back with the client so that they and you recognize how far they've come, what progress it is that they've made. What are they doing differently already as a result of working with you? We also want to then measure what has changed across each of the dimensions of their mindset. And of course, we have our ICF accredited uh, mindset diagnostic tool, the Mindset Dimensions Report, which helps us to do this. It helps us to literally measure our clients' beliefs, values change, emotional frequency change, um, how they view themselves and the world around them. And so we can re-measure that Absolutely, we can. You can remeasure some of perhaps if you've used other tools, other diagnostic tools. You may have, if you're a business coach, use, for example, a business dashboard with your clients. You can pull in all of those metrics. And maybe you've been measuring how many their social media profiles, okay, how much activity they've been generating on those if you're perhaps a visibility coach. It may be if you're a health and fitness coach that you've been monitoring things like how many reps they can do or their heart rate or um, the the amount, the weight on the scale, okay? There's lots of different metrics that we have that we can say, okay, what has changed? 
What is the tangible evidence for the change? If you're using the wheel of life, you can also measure what's changed in their wheel of life as they redo it for you after the coaching interventions. What are they doing, believing and feeling that they weren't before? And how will they maintain and or improve those results? And so there's a lot we can do in here so that we understand how far our clients come and what the evidence is of that transformation. And this is really important for you as a coach to embed that in your client, right? You have changed. Look how far you've come. Look at what the difference is. Explore that with them. Make it really tangible. And, you know, if you're a coach, for example, who is working with a client to achieve 20K months in their business, um, we hear that a lot at the moment, don't we, Uh, to achieve 20K months in their business, you know, there is a very tangible metric. Maybe they were achieving 3K before. Are they, have they achieved the goal? Are they achieving consistent 20K months? What are they believing about themselves that's different? What's changed in their identity? What's changed in their values around their money? What's changed in their money mindset? What are they actually doing differently in terms of their skills and capabilities? What habits have they got now that they didn't have before that have led them to achieve that result of 20K months? So there's lots of different things that you can have in your suite of metrics that will help your client to and you to remeasure and then close that loop okay, and install and embed. And of course, the next extension of that is that you're going to go on and you're going to uh, perhaps work with your client in the future. You know, maybe there's something else that you can be doing with your client. You've wrapped up one goal that they've achieved maybe or one outcome. What's next? And so having that next step as part of your suite of packages and, and offers, very powerful as well. How can they continue to work with you? So there's lots of different ways then that you can integrate these tools into your coaching packages uh, right from the onboarding phase through diagnostic and in your one-to-one coaching packages, your VIP days, your group programs, whatever it is, whatever packages and containers that you offer your clients, you can integrate all of these things into those so no matter what they are. You know, you can identify the presenting problem so you and your client have got clarity. You can establish how and when the problem was created. You can understand how the problem is maintained. You can identify those levers and opportunities for change. You can then work with your client to create that change at the conscious, subconscious and unconscious level. You can reinforce and embed that change through tasking and accountability. And then you can come together and close that loop so it doesn't matter what your container is you can still use all of these things i'd really love to hear your thoughts on the seven essential skills and techniques every coach needs to succeed and i look forward to being with you again in next week's episode bye for now well that wraps up this week's episode of the mindset coach podcast Remember to join us next week for another episode and subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a review if you've loved it. Share it with your friends. And I really look forward to learning how you're implementing the tools and techniques that you're learning here. Mindset is everything.